Acts chapter 24, we will uh, we'll see what the Lord has for us this morning as we just come before Him. Maybe you remember for, uh, for Paul, his um, heart's desire, this passion inside of him to reach his brethren and people that he cared about. He, he had to go to Jerusalem and share, but everywhere he went... Along the journey in preparation, the Holy Spirit told him hard times were ahead, that they were, that they were coming after him. And, and sure enough, as he went, every time he tried to open his mouth, he didn't even really hardly get to say anything. And there's a riot, or there's a beating, or someone's arresting him, and he goes out of the frying pan into the fire, so to speak. Over and over, we see him going through this difficulty. And one night, Maybe at a time when he's really low, the Lord comes to him and says to him, in Jackie paraphrase, Paul, it's okay, I, I got your back. You're going to go to Rome for me. And you're going to share the gospel before kings. Your time's not done. It's not over. I bet for Paul, I mean, it was scary. I bet he was pretty sure this was it. You know, this is the... The, the final stage to his martyrdom. But God had more in mind for him. And God has more in mind for us. Let's look at what the Lord has for us this morning in Acts chapter 24. It says, Now, after five days, Ananias, the high priest, came down with the elders and a certain orator named Tertullus. And they gave evidence to the governor against Paul. And when it was called upon, Tertullus began his accusation, saying, Seeing that through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity, it's being brought to this nation by your foresight. We accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, I beg you to hear by your courtesy a few words from us. For we have found this man, this man a plague, a creator of dissension among all Jews throughout all the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, and we seized him and wanted to judge him according to our law. But the commander Lysias came by and with great violence took him out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come to you by examining him yourself. You may ascertain all these things of which we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, maintaining that these things were were so. Then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. Because you may ascertain that it is no more than twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone or inciting the crowd, either in synagogues or in the city. Nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. But this I confess that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and the prophets. 
And I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Now after many years I came to bring alms and offerings to my nation, in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with a mob nor with a tumult. And they ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me. Or else let those who are here themselves say if they found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council. Unless it is for this one statement which I cried out, standing among them concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. Now when Felix heard these things, having a more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will make a decision in your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, He sent for Paul and heard him concerning faith in Christ. Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. And he answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. But after two years... Porcius Festus succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come before you this morning. Father, we ask that you might be glorified and magnified as we open your word. Lord Jesus, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. God, that you would give us a heart willing to receive make a decision today not waiting for tomorrow God we give you all the praise and the glory for what you bring to us this morning in Jesus name we pray Amen well we find ourselves in Paul's next trial he has arrived now he's in Caesarea standing before Felix now Felix used to be a slave And Felix was freed and became a friend of Claudius, who became emperor of Rome. That's an important friend to have. His brother talked Claudius into making Felix the governor of Judea, and so he became the governor. He stumbled upon this young girl at about 20 years of age who was married to another man. Her name was Drusilla, and he enticed her through power and wealth. To become his second wife. So Drusilla married Felix. Felix is most well known in history for being cruel, mean, angry. So we have Paul standing before Felix. 
The Bible tells that Paul waited there in Caesarea for five days, right? He waited five days while Ananias, that was the mob boss. Remember we talked about him last time? He was the guy who was in control of the temple area. He was the high priest, but he wasn't a a godly man at all. He was a man after power and money and wealth. And that was all upset by Jesus, who was called the Christ, and by his followers, and by this church, and these this rampant faith that was growing in Jerusalem. And their one man that they hired to squash it all, he got converted. And he became a Christian. And all that anger and frustration is directed toward Paul. The scripture tells us in the beginning of the trial, they opened up the charges. Look at the charges. It says, It begins in in verse 1. After five days, Ananias is there to give evidence to the governor against Paul. They got this guy, Tertullus. You see that? Tertullus, uh, he's an order. He's a lawyer. Tertullus is the lawyer that they hired to make their case before Felix. And so when he was called upon, he begins his accusation, as was common in those days, with flowery speech about how great Felix is. All of that was a lie. The Jews hated Felix. Felix was Felix hated them too. So the feeling was mutual. But as they begin, they, they, they start with all this floweriness. Look, seeing that you that that through you we enjoy great peace. Is that true? The Jews enjoying great peace and prosperity? No, they're just they're they're just blowing smoke at old Felix here. And they bring uh, that he brought to the nation through his foresight. And they accepted always and in all places, most noble Felix with all thankfulness. Oh, we're so thankful, Felix, for all you do for us. Nevertheless, I have a few things to bring against this fellow Paul. In verse 5 he says, For we have found this man a plague. The King James, I think, says we have found him a pest. If you take that to its simplest form, we have found this man to be the troubler of Israel. Now that... That reminds me of somebody else. See, in 1 Kings chapter 18, there's a prophet named Elijah. And Elijah was called by God to be God's voice to the people who were off track. They were walking away from a relationship with God. And so the Lord sent Elijah to them. And Elijah said to them, listen, you guys are off track. You're walking away from God. So it's not going to rain. Until you get right. So King Ahab, who was in charge in those days, King Ahab found a pet name for Elijah. The Troubler of Israel. In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, verse 17, it says, Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O Troubler of Israel? And Elijah answered to him, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed after other gods. Matthew chapter 5, during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had some things to say, and, and some of them I think are really fitting for what's going on for Paul. They called him the troubler, the pest, the problem. You know, it's not that different, guys. If you turn on the news, they'll tell you the same thing. That Christianity is the problem. That it's the trouble. That they just won't get along. They just won't say all these other things are okay. They just won't stop 
with this concept. They just won't let everyone have their own way. They're the trouble. They're the problem. The troubler of Israel. Matthew 5.10 Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you. And say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Because that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The same words they called Elijah. They called Paul. They will call you. If you choose to stand on the word. You too will be a troubler. Jesus would say in Matthew 23 verse 7, Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I have wanted to gather your children together like a hen gathers her chicks beneath her wings. But you were not willing. See, God cried out all day long. The the Scripture tells in Romans, all day long, He reaches out His hand to a, a disobedient and contrary people. All day long, He reaches out. And they condemn. And they stone. And they persecute. In John 15... Jesus said, these things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates me, the world will hate you also. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Look, for every believer, that should be a dividing point for us from the world. To stand with Jesus means we have to stand against anything that is against Him. Jesus said, if you are not for me, you are against me. Their first accusation to Paul was he was the trouble. He's the problem. He's the plague. But in reality, He's the cure. Don't you see? For if they'll turn their hearts and receive the promise of God, great blessing is there. But they condemn the cure. They condemn the cure. They said that He is a troubler of all Israel, causing dissension among all the Jews and all the world. Wow, He's a busy guy. Paul says, I've only been there 12 days, yet I am the great dissenter who has created dissension among all the Jews in all the world. That is a busy man to accomplish all that in 12 days. They also said that Paul leads a sect of the Nazarene. It says, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Listen, the first time that the Christians are called a sect of the Nazarenes, but here's what's important about that. It means that up at this time, at this point, Christianity is still considered a sect of Judaism, like a Pharisee, or a Sadducee, or a Nazarene. 
They were still considered Jewish. It was still considered a, 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 a part of a Jewish sect. Early Christians at this time were still viewed to be a part of Judaism. Later on, that's going to change. And when it changes, Rome is going to begin killing them. Six million Christians will, will perish during that period of time of persecution from Rome. And so, but at this point, hey, there, he's a, he's a leader of the sect of the Nazarene. And then they said he attempted a desecration of the temple. Look at verse six. He even tried to profane the temple and we seized him and wanted to judge him according to our law. Now, is that how that happened? As I recall, he was just hanging out, having a peaceful time of purification, offering sacrifices. And somebody shouted, Hey, he brought a Gentile in here and everybody started beating him. There's no, there's no attempt at desecration of the temple. And listen to how they talk about Commander Lysias. They said, Commander Lysias came by with great violence, took him out of our hands. Now, who was bringing the great violence? I would say the fellers who was beating him. That's why great violence came. And they commanded his accusers to come to you. By examining him yourself, you will ascertain all these things of which we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, maintaining that these things were so. They said, hey, this is right. So then he turns to Paul. And I want you to notice in Paul's defense, very little flowery speech. Then Paul, after the governor nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do more cheerfully answer for myself. Not a lot of flowery stuff there, right? Since I know you've been the judge for a while, let me answer for myself. He says in verse 11 through 13, I've only been in town 12 days. You may ascertain that it is no more than 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone or inciting the crowd, either in the synagogue or the city, nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. So Paul says, hey, these things aren't true. Well, at least not all of these things are true. He's about to confess to one. He's about to confess to one. Will you confess to that one? Jesus said, if you confess me among men, I will confess you before my Father. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. Jesus had a lot of hard things to say. Wow, I don't know if they were hard to say. They're hard for us to hear. Because the things Jesus said then tell us that we cannot just live in some type of mediocrity, pretend relationship with God. He calls you to confess Him before men. And that's what we see Paul do here. Look what he does. He says in verse 14, But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, so... I worship the God of my fathers. I believe all things which are written in the law and the prophets. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. He says, I confess I'm a follower of the way. Definite article. 
Not one of many ways, one way. The way. In John chapter 14 verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. One road, one path, one way. And this is what Paul says. This is why I'm here. I'm here because I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I worship the God of my fathers. Not a new God, not a different God, not some new religion. The fulfillment of the religion in the Old Testament scriptures. When Paul went around preaching in the church, what Bible did he use? The Old Testament. The New Testament, folks, was not written. It's being written as we go. As we go through the book of Acts, Paul, writing his epistles, 13 uh, books would come from him. As we go through, he's writing as he writes letters to the churches and direction to the churches. So he says, I worship the God of my fathers. Yahweh, Yahweh, Yehovah, the God of Israel. I haven't changed, that's the God I worship. And I believe the whole Old Testament. I believe it all, every bit, every word, every jot and every tittle. He says, I hold fast to it all. I have hope in God. Listen, that's a Hebrew idiom. That's an idiom for the the Messiah, the Mashiach Nagid. He said, I have hope in God. I'm looking for the Messiah, who he believes to be Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and rose again. And is coming back. He says, I have hope in God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He says, I believe in the resurrection. And he said, you can find evidence of this. Have you ever heard it said, if you were brought before a judge and stood trial for your faith, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Paul said, it won't take you very long to convict me of this. I'm guilty. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, a believer of the word. I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Jesus. In Luke 6.40 it says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is completely trained will be like his teacher. Are you like Jesus Christ? 1 John 2, verse 4 says, He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this we know we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought also to walk as he walked. A follower of Jesus Christ. Are we walking in his footsteps? This is what Paul declares himself to be guilty of. This is what Paul says, I have done. Today we can walk around the town, the city, the state that we live in, talk to multiple people, and we can ask them the question, Do you believe in Jesus Christ? And the vast majority will say, Yes. They'll say yes. But a disciple is not greater than the teacher. A disciple will be like his teacher. 
If you say you abide in Him, then you ought also to walk even as He walked. Is there evidence that you are who you say you are? The word believe in the scripture, it means to put one's weight into. To put one's weight into. It doesn't mean just to intellectually assent. It doesn't mean I believe Jesus was born or he lived or he had great teachings. Or I don't, I believe he died and he rose again. It's more than that. It means I have placed myself in him. That I stand with Him. Even when it costs me everything. I will stand with Him. I will walk with Him. This is what Paul declares. You want something to judge me on? Here it is. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I believe the book. Every word. Every verse. The ones I don't like. And the ones I do. And if the Bible tells me something I don't like, I can tell you who's wrong. Me. But it isn't the Word. Paul goes on in his defense in verse 17. He says, look, I've been gone a long time. After many years, I came to bring alms and offerings to my nation. In verse 18, in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple. He says, look, the guys who started this all aren't even here. The whole riot started from these Jews from Asia, uh, uh, from Ephesus, if we want to be exact. They're not even here. They ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me. Then he looks at the ones who are there and he says, Or else let those who are here themselves say if they found any wrongdoing. Those guys are the things that they had charged. Were they eyewitnesses? Had they seen Paul anywhere else? All the Sanhedrin had seen Paul do was stand in front of them the day that they lost it over the resurrection of the dead. You remember the story? They weren't in Ephesus. They didn't see the things that the gospel had accomplished all throughout the world. All they saw was what Paul said about the resurrection. So Paul says, hey, here they are. These guys are here. If they're here, let them give an answer. Maybe they have something to say in verse 21, unless it is for this one statement which I cried out standing among them concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. So Felix, after listening to both sides, said when he heard these things, look at that phrase, having a more accurate knowledge of the way. So he, he had heard about this stuff. He had heard about this stuff. He adjourned the proceedings and said, When Lysias, the commander, comes down, I'll make a decision in your case. And he commanded the centurion to take Paul away and let him have liberty. That means he wasn't in a, in a jail. He was under house arrest. So he commanded him not to forbid him that any of his friends could visit or provide for him. That's why Paul was always asking someone to bring him parchments or the letters or the scriptures that he might continue to write. Many epistles are going to be written during this time. It says, but after some days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul concerning faith in Christ. He had a more accurate understanding of the way. Why? Well, I didn't tell you this part. Drusilla, she was from Herod's family. There's, Herod had a lot of history with Jesus, didn't he? 
Remember there was a Herod when Jesus was born who killed all the children two years and under? That was that was her grandpa. The Herod whom Jesus stood before. The history of Christ was was there. His wife grew up as a Jew. She'd she'd heard it, she'd walked there, she would been there. She had been a part of all those things that had been going on. And maybe they sat around and they talked about it. And now he's got a guy here who knows this way. And Felix is curious about it. So he holds on to Paul and he, and he waits and gets rid of all those guys. And he says, look, I want to hear about faith in Christ. I want to hear about it. So he and Drusilla call for Paul. And Paul comes to them privately. It says in verse 25, As he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. Paul went to him and he shared with him. First, the scripture says he shared with him about righteousness. Romans 3.10 Scripture that had already been written by Paul said, It is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. You ever heard somebody tell you they'll be okay because they're a good person? God says there's none good. No, not one. Nobody meets up to His standard. In fact, Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. In Romans chapter 1, God says, man is held guilty because of what I've shown him. Now that means God doesn't have to use the Bible. It means God's just going to use your experience in life. And in your experience in life, He will show that you are not righteous. Oh, come on! Pretty good. I'm pretty good. Well, this is how that argument goes. Is it not plain to you in nature that everything you have is a gift and that you are dependent upon your Maker for life, breath, and everything? At some point, you've got to realize that some point you got to know I'm not just an accident that happened I'm here for a reason and I owe my life breath and everything that I have to a maker then did not the judicial sentiment of your own heart hold others guilty when they lacked gratitude toward you in response to a kindness you gave them. Judicial sentiment. Did you not hold others guilty when you did something for them and they were unthankful or did not respond properly toward you? Did not you think other people did not treat you the way that they should have treated you? Then... Has your life been filled with gratitude and trust toward me 
in proportion to my generosity and authority. God says, have you been, have you lived your life thankful to me for all I have given you? That answer would be no. Therefore, you are not right with God. Every man is guilty. What's God's requirement? Scripture tells us God's requirement. He says, be perfect as I am perfect. That's God's requirement. He says, be holy as I am holy. We read already 1 John chapter 2. He expects us to walk as He walked. To do the things that He did. This is what He expects. So first He talked to him of righteousness. What does that mean? Righteousness spoken to, to Felix is, you fall short of meeting God's standard. Then He talked to him about self-control. Self-control speaks of the power granted to us to be the things God's asking us to be. Self-control. John 1 verse 12 says, But to as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to be called the sons of God, to as many as believed in His name. He gave them what? Power. Power to be more than what they are. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, And you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. But God who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which He has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses. He made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. And He raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. You see, he told Felix about righteousness. We all fall short. Then he told him about self-control. That God gives us the power to be what God's asking us to be. One of the fruit of the Spirit, which is a gift to every believer who puts his faith and trust in Jesus Christ, is self-control. The ability to do the things God's asking us to do. To make the choices God's asking us to make. We can't make those choices before we know Him. We make them after we know Him. And He's empowered us with His Holy Spirit to be who God's asking us to be. But then He told him about the judgment to come. 
He told him about the judgment to come. He would have shared with him Daniel chapter 12. In Daniel chapter 12 verse 1 it says, At that time Michael will stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there will be a time of trouble. Such as never was since there was a nation even unto that time. And at that time your people will be delivered. Everyone who's found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life. Some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and never. The resurrection of the dead. The judgment. The Bible says every man will stand before God. Every man. In 1 Corinthians, a book already written by Paul, so I'm sure he would have shared this at this time. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, Do not be deceived. Listen, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to the next phrase. And such were some of you. You've got to choose who you're going to be. One camp or the other. You can't be in both. One or the other. He says, such were some of you, but you have been washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That's who we were. That's not who we are. That's who we were before we put our faith in Jesus Christ. That's who we were before we were born again. But that can't be who we are anymore. And that's what will put you at odds with the world. Come on, I can live any way I want to. Well, that's true. You just can't live any way you want to and call yourself... A believer who has placed his weight in Christ. There are scary scriptures in the Bible, guys. Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. But I will say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. They're workers of iniquity. They're people who made a choice that said, I love the darkness. I don't want the light. I love the darkness. I want to stay in the darkness. I want to be known by the darkness. I want to live in the darkness. Jesus said, this is the condemnation of the world. That light has come into the world. 
But men love the darkness rather than the light. And a judgment is coming. Everyone's given the same gift, one life. You have to spend it any way you want it. But you will give account for how you spend it. You give account. Listen, the Word goes on to say, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and Him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened, and another, wo- another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works and by the things that were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone whose name is not written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's forever, folks. How do you have your name written in the Lamb's book of life? It's simple, the Lamb's book of life. That's the book that Jesus keeps of the believers. Is it because of what they do? No, it's because of their faith. The Bible told us we are saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. That's something that that God gives us. We have to choose how we're going to react to the words we hear. What do you do with what God's Word says? Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars will have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone and is the second death. We've got to pick a side. We've got to choose. To as many as received Him, to them gave you the power to be called the sons of God, who are called not by the will of man, but by the will of God. God has sent out the invitation. He brought Paul before Felix. And Paul shared these things with him. Paul shared with him about the judgment. He shared with him about his need for righteousness. A right relationship with God. He shared with him about self-control. And the next phrase says that Felix was afraid. Listen, that's a good place to be. In case you're wondering. Let the world tell you the lie that None of these things should make you afraid. It should make you afraid. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord. Oh, Jackie, that's not really fear. That's reverence and awe. Yes, and terror and fright. It's the same word. You don't get to define it different just because you want to. 
we stand before God, it's going to be a, a wild experience. But for the believer, listen, for the believer, for the one who's placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you don't stand there alone. You stand there in the righteousness of Christ. For he who knew no sin became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God. That's a gift. I can't do it myself. He gives it to me when I put my weight in Him. When I surrender. When you throw up your hands and you say, I can't do it, God. I know what that's like. Once upon a time, I found myself in a dark place with a sentence of death over my head and nothing I could do would ever fix it. When the, when the doctors told me all those years ago, Jackie, you're HIV positive. There's no special pill to take for that. Sin was just doing what God promised sin would do. God said the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And I reached a point where I stopped and I threw my hands up and I surrendered. I, I have ran my life to this point and I'm done running it. So however long this is going to last, God, whether it's a short time or a long time, it's yours. Now look, I didn't give God a great bargain. I was broken, ruined. I was a mess. None of us, by the way, give God a great bargain. If you think you're a great bargain for God, that's another sermon. We'll get together on that later. <laughs> but I gave that to the Lord. And he redeemed it. He, he did what man can't do. He took it away. Still got the letters. Be more than happy to let you read them. The military is good about that for the fellows who were in the service. The letter says on such and such date, Corporal Roberts... was found HIV positive. On such and such a date, he's not. No explanation is available. Signed, dotted, and I'm still here. So, I guess it's real. Felix was afraid. I'm going to compare him with one other guy as we close. Felix was afraid, and he said, let me think about it. I'll wait till tomorrow. There was another guy. Remember in Philippi, there was this crazy thing going on, and, and Paul got arrested. He, he was kind of used to getting arrested, right? He was in trouble all the time. And they beat him with rods. You remember? They beat him with rods. But for some reason, that time, he didn't say anything about being a Roman citizen until afterwards. 
They beat him with rods and they put him in the stocks and they put him into prison and they, they laid him down in there all bloody and broken and he began singing. He was worshiping into the middle of the night. And in the middle of the night, there's this big earthquake, right? And all the prison doors popped open. And the greatest miracle on earth ever happened because the prisoners didn't leave. Because down there in the bottom of that cell, there was a man walking like Jesus walked. And everybody wanted to know how. What do you have? How do I plug into what you have? How do I, how do I have what you have? So these guys were condemned to death. Don't run. They go down there. And the Bible says the jailer woke up when the earthquake happened. And he looked around and he noticed that all the gates were open and all the prisoners were gone. And he was afraid. And he pulled out his sword to fall on his sword. And Paul said, Hey, we're all still here. And the Philippian jailer ran down there and he said, What must I do? To be saved. What do I got to do? And he said, believe. Put your weight in Christ. Pick sides. Give it all away. He is worth anything you'll ever lose. And he's worth so much more than that. But Felix, he said, go away until I have a more convenient time. He was going to be all that a mortal should be tomorrow. No one would be better than he tomorrow. Each morning he stacked up the letters he would write tomorrow. It was too bad, indeed, he was too busy to see his friend, but he promised to go do it tomorrow. The greatest of workers this man would have been tomorrow. The world would have known him had he ever seen tomorrow. But the fact is, he died and faded from view, and all that was left when living was through was a mountain of things he intended to do tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. There is no tomorrow. Amen? Why don't you stand with me let's pray. Father God, we come before You this morning just to stand in awe of Your Word, the truth of Your Word. Lord God, that Your Word is true and every man is a liar. And Lord, where we disagree, we must conform to Your Word. That we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind through Your Word. And not be conformed into the image of this world. That we are to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Even what we have to lay at His feet. Even the the strength to give ourselves to Him comes from Him. 
And when the Word is declared and the Spirit moves and your heart is pricked, and you find yourself sitting with a heart beating fast and a desire to know what must I do to be saved, then that is the day of salvation. That is the time to move. That is the time. If you wait like Felix, the Bible says he talked to Paul a lot more times, but he was never afraid again. Instead, he was hoping to get paid off. And ultimately, he passes from view into eternity. No word of a choice being made. Lord God, today the lines are being drawn. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we here in this place would know that we we got to choose a side. We can't marry the two together. They don't fit. They are at enmity with one another. I must either surrender and follow Jesus or surrender and follow the world. I cannot have both. I must let go of this world and all the things that she offers and cling to Christ and hold to the promise that He gives. For in Him there is life and life more abundantly. In Him there is peace, not as the world gives, but as He gives. In Him there is strength for the day. In Him is the knowledge of the way. In Him is an understanding of the truth. In Him is everything I need. Lord God, I pray that we this day would choose to be found in Him. Our weight in Him. Standing with Him, abiding in Christ, and following in His footsteps. We can always tell the real from the lie. The real through pain and sometimes suffering will walk where Jesus walked. The lie will say they do but they will walk after the world. Both will call themselves believers. Only one is true. Place your whole weight in Christ. Give all that you have to Him. And He, He will do that work in you. Surrender your life And Jesus will make it so much more than you could ever imagine. He is a great, holy, and awesome God. And worthy of all acceptance and honor and praise.
This morning we need to come to Him and let it all go. You got to let Him have it all. That's a life's journey. You let Him have everything. Every relationship. If He says no more, then you let it go. Everything. You bring it to Christ. And you let Him have it all. And God will do abundantly beyond and above all we can ask or imagine according to the power that works in us through the Holy Spirit, God will do great and awesome things. Lord, we pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.